Today we have a 5-1 mermaid-loving self-projected marketing expert project on our show. Welcome, Jade. Hello, and thank you for having me. This is so fun. This is my first interview with someone who has such a similar human design profile to me, so I'm very excited. So guys, that you already know, we had a very, very secret and interesting talk beforehand, but you will never know. <laughs> we did. And I'm happy to go over any of the stuff we discussed if you think it was relevant. Yeah, give us a summary, please. Yeah, so we, we talked about our designs and especially um, how we've found being self-projected projector and how different that is to the other projectors. Um, we've talked about some five line stuff around people seeing us as the saviors. Um, what else did we talk about? And then you just told me about your environment, your markets. And I think the baseline is that we self-projectors do not need so many invitations from outside. We are very self-directed through our G. Mm. Don't need permission. No, wrong. My, I have not markets. I have missed it. I have kitchens dry, but it's similar because markets is like open where everything gets done, but kitchens is also like cafes. Yes. You like so. the hustle and bustle and I'm the opposite. I'm caves. Oh, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Somewhere I read when uh, kitchens get it wrong, they search shorelines. And I might move to Sicily. That's a plan. So now I do not know if this is correct. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Lovely though, wouldn't that? An interesting thing. And before I even knew that I was caves, I looked at all of the different... Um, environments and I guessed that I was a cave reason being is whenever I go to a restaurant and I've always had this since I was young if I go to a restaurant or a cafe or even like a library I always like to sit with my back to the wall in the corner I don't like it when I've got my back to the whole room and then people can be walking past me I get really frustrated so as soon as I saw the list I was like I've got to be a cave so yeah that that suits me just having like one entrance or exit that I can see and observe who's who's there like the old gunslingers in the western always with the back to the wall yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that suits me I like that yeah it's interesting and read the um what you said about the you know being self-directed it's quite interesting actually because when I was at school I was always like a leader, always, you know, leading everyone to do things. But it was often stuff in relation to like being a little bit mischievous. So I was always the one who was instigating a trick on a teacher. And like one example, um, we used to have one teacher and we'd be in a big classroom in a hallway. And then some of the classrooms on the hallway were empty. 
So what we used to do, <laughs> so naughty, I used to uh, sneak out and go and see a friend in another classroom and give her a note and tell her to come into our room and give it to our teacher so our teacher would go. So we would get, we would put on the note, oh, you know, can you come and see the head? So our teacher would say, oh, you know, please excuse me, I have to go and see the head. And then when she would leave the room... <laughs> I would say to everyone in the classroom, okay, everyone, we're going to run out here and we're going to um, go in the other classroom that's empty and trick her. So I would get like, you know, 30, 35 students all like out of the room, get their bags. So then the teacher would come back and be like, like, where is everyone? And then eventually she'd start looking and she'd come in and she'd be, she'd say, what are you all doing in here? And we'd be like, what are you talking about, miss? We've been in here all the time. <laughs> So when I got my school report, I always remember this. It said, Jade is always going to be a leader in life, but sometimes she leads people in the wrong direction. (laughs) (laughs) And that's just a typical self-projector. Like I look at the rules and I think it's a guideline. It's not necessarily something I have to do. I think, do I think that's sensible? Yes or no? (laughs) I would also add like the heretic line. It's like it's the what heretic means. <laughs> I always said rules are for beginners. Yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um I like I like being self-projected. Do you? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I have no decision in it, so I <laughs> can <laughs> like it too. The, it brings a lot of freedom with it, mm. which took time to see it as a gift as well. This, I do not need anybody to do something or be something. Mm. Was it always there for you, this... Uh, self-authority what I wanted to ask is how did it show up in your youth I I yeah as a from very young age was very um, I mean I was very intelligent and inquisitive I can always remember being really young and asking questions like how did the moon get in the sky but how but who but where but when so I was that kind of kid very energetic um but also like brave and yeah, I can always remember, yeah, teachers would say she, she sees rules as guidelines, not as rules. <laughs> so it's not that I didn't respect authority, but if I didn't, if I thought it was just a little bit not sensible, I would just ignore it. I wasn't like a child that would be like, oh, the teacher said we have to do this. If I, if I thought it was a bit of a silly rule, I just ignored it. So I was never... I would probably bend rules, I would say, but I was still very um, studious. Like, I did well at school. I used to love, like, maths was my favourite lesson. So I would say I was definitely always what they would say, you know, like, when children are very... I'm not confident. I wouldn't call it a confidence, but just a independent and, like, knew my own mind. Yeah. When you have your own ethics, you do not need rules from outside. That's what you're saying. 
because you were never mean the 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 games you played were more innocent yes cheeky like cheeky and always fun it was there was always like fun behind it but I had very I think where it was difficult for me I had very strict parents it was very like authoritarian my dad used to be a school teacher so you know he used to try the strict school teacher stuff with me um and obviously that didn't work well for them um but then I had some teachers and like mentors I used to do a lot of hobbies so people who were like mentoring me with things like dancing and different sports that I did that I really respected that I would go out of my way to impress and do really well for so I think depending on what's what how I felt about you you would probably have a completely different child like looking back I know some of my teachers would have said she was an angel like top in the class so helpful and then if there was another one that was just too strict and I, they probably would have said I was a troublemaker. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm a Taurus son. So it's like, as long as you are nice, you can have everything, but you get the horns if you challenge me. Yes. Well, I am a Taurus. Okay. <laughs> yes, I do not know how that ties in, but I can really relate to what you say. Yeah, definitely. It's... um. It's like that phrase where they say, like, I'll be your best enemy, um, your best friend, but your worst, worst enemy. <laughs> I always proud myself on the saying, like, Taurus don't start fights, but they hell do know how to end them. <laughs> yeah, I think as a Taurus, we're very, um, we can let things go, let things go, let things go, and we won't even react. I'll be like, oh yeah, okay, 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 and then I'll and then and then it'll be like, and I can my horns will come out, and I can think of a very few examples in my life where I've been I've done this in front of people who have known me for like years, and they've been so shocked. They'll be like, I've never seen that side of you, but I've said, yeah, like that is that is a Taurus. <laughs> when you get that look. Yes. <laughs> you know to run. You know? <laughs> yeah. It is interesting how we're all so different and there's like so many nuances to how we behave and our perceptions. I think that's one thing that I find most fascinating is, and maybe this is a projector thing, but understanding that everyone's perceptions is different and that there really is no right or wrong or, you know, black and white in most situations. But I find that so many, like, non-projectors, they, they can't see like that. And I see a lot of um, mm. like fighting and arguing, no, I'm right, no, I'm right, and that's bad. And I can see them both. They're just seeing things from a different angle, and it's, it's really interesting to watch. And it's like projectors can turn on a dime. It's like, I th I've even feel that self-projected projectors are more extreme in that regard. Mm. 
they are very strict and stable and then they have an epiphany and they turn around 180 degrees and suddenly they are totally different. Yes. And people get a whiplash from it. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I think as well that there's a lot, especially in like the industry that I'm in, the sort of more like business space, there's a, so many people now who are like leaning into human design. Um, I don't think it's, you know, the the thing that you need and it's the only thing that you need but I do think it's it's just something else which is helping people really see things a little bit differently and also being able to accept parts of us that maybe we probably would have wanted to change before or we felt frustrated with I know for me that you know the energy thing was a, a big the low energy or not yeah much. that was a it was all almost around being able to let go of the kind of guilt and the shame and think, oh, I'm just not meant to be doing all that stuff. I'm meant to be lying on my hammock, directing everyone else, doing it. And that's, that is me. And it's not lazy. And again, that came from childhood conditioning. Don't be lazy. You know, you had to get out of bed early, always had to be doing things. Um, you know, we couldn't even, we couldn't get in our bed if it wasn't bedtime. Um, and like looking back, I'm like, I probably would have loved to have a little like afternoon nap or rest or something, which obviously I find lots of time to do now. To have cozy areas everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was the big thing for me. But when I first found out I was a projector, I don't know how you were, but I was a bit disappointed with you. I was like, I don't want to be the non-energy one. I was like, oh, I knew it. I'm not here to work. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I said years before, like to a generator friend I know now, I said, you know, it would be perfect to just chill and do what I love and to study and have enough money or a system that provides me enough money to do that. Mm. So that I do not have to work. And she said, I want it too. But now I know for me, it's natural for not for her, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, it is. It's definitely, um, it gives you that permission. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And not, the, not that we'd need the permission, but it, it does. It gives you that permission that this is okay. It's good for me to rest. It's good for me to study and play. And, you know, like I said before, we started the official part of our interview. My friend, my projector friend said, you SPPs are the boss of all bosses. <laughs> and I, I like that. I like thinking that. And, and I don't think we're bosses as in the way that we're strict or bossy. But we're almost like that quiet. You know, we're in the corner, resting, a bit more quiet. But then when people need something, they come off track. They ask us, we say, yep, just go up there, turn left. And then they can go and finish the work and we can continue resting and playing and all of those things. I'm sometimes just curious. I, I just sit there, but they do not ask. They suffer. And I think to myself, I'm not here to 
save you even when you see me as savior <laughs> it's it's from this playful side not an egoistic way even when Ra used that word, he said, projectors are the only ones who need to be inherently egoistic. They sit there with all the answers. And if you go to them and ask them, they say, no. And then you come again and they say, no. And then the third time, they might tell you. <laughs> yes, I must say that's, that's definitely been one part that I have found challenging because I really find it hard when I see people in trouble or in pain or anything. It's like, and I think all projectors have this. We know the answer we want to tell them. That, so that's been really hard for me to, to see people in a muddle or just doing things that I know are going to like end up bad, actually not saying anything. Like it's the balance between waiting for the invitation and you know living my design versus especially if I care about someone I have that in you know inside me like I do want to save them from pain or anything um and I think that that's still a part of it that I'm still getting better at now all these years on I also feel we have a huge manifestation power. So this five, five is a projection line, then the self-projected and the projector is like dual projection. Yeah. And it's so much potential to help. But when they do not see us with that huge field, then it truly might not be right. Yes. So it just brought me bitterness, so I learned it the hard way. Oh, God, yeah, the bitter. Shut up. <laughs> I can have, have, like, be so bitty. I call it, like, bitty. Bitter, bitter Betty. <laughs> yeah. That, that was interesting to learn about that. It made me understand so many more things. It was like, oh, okay. That's why I would feel bitter or resentful, because... I could see what they needed. I'd let them know, but they hadn't. And it's not even just an invitation. You know, it, it needs to be a really like explicit, specific, I, I recognize you for this type of invitation rather than just a really like, what do you think? Yeah, with recognition and appreciation, maybe you? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd really struggle with people that don't show their appreciation. I don't like those types of people. <laughs> That's, yeah, and, and not just towards me, just towards people in general. Um, that's one thing that I've had to, like, really work with in not letting my bitterness and obviously, like, the five line as well, Um like make have anything that's like not clean and pure because if I see people and they've had help or support you know maybe it was something that they initiated or invited but then there's that lack of appreciation it can really change my perception of that person because I think I'm someone who I'll always say thank you and I'll always say 
you know, I really appreciate you doing that. Thank you for having me on your show. And and some people I feel like, especially in business, they're just happy to, oh, I get that thing. That's really great. Thanks. Bye. And then they're like off to the next person. Yeah. And I, I really try my best to keep away from those types of like vampires. <laughs> For me, respect became a huge topic, even with this open sacral, this knowing when enough is enough. Yeah. So we all inherently have a boundary issue as projectors <laughs> in the shadow or not self trained mm. at least. And so it's respect is total acceptance of the limitations of myself and others. So I just need to know when enough is enough for me mm. and what I want to give. And in the gene keys, I have in my pearl the charity line. So I am destined to just give because I have so much, many talents. Oh, wow. But then the fear always is there to be taken advantage of because it happens so often. Yes. I've observed that in the comments in Facebook, you are very boiled down. You just write one line and then you withdraw and you rather listen for a question. So when and how did you learn to restrain yourself like that? Because I feel it's difficult for a self-projected projector to know when to shut up. Mm. No, interesting question. I, I'm definitely not someone who's very shouty, shouty, look at me. Um, and I think that probably comes from... I went when I was young, I went to, I was at stage school from five. So I was surrounded by those stage school mums. My, you know, I didn't have a stage school mum. I used to get dropped off and then sometimes forget, was forgotten to get picked up. But I was around a lot of um, girls my age who was, it was very, I want to be at the front and I'm the best and da 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 da. And they had those pushy mums and I never liked it. Um, and I, I was always, you know, we, we used to do shows and things and it was always like, you have to smile and you have to do this. And yeah. And I, it's, I never became um someone like in the background, but I never liked that like false, not false, but pushing yourself to the front. I never liked that type of way of being. And, and then when I was, when I left school, I did work in TV and media. So I was, I was in a lot of environments where I was around a lot of those people and it I just became very like disillusioned with it and I think as I as I grew up and I started to look at people like who I really respect like I'm really into Buddhism and I love Robin Sharma and um, Richard Branson so the the people that I used to look at and think oh I really admire them had that more like humble like humility they were very confident and very successful but in a very the, not a, a braggadocy look at me way yeah like more it was I suppose the the best description I can give like I used to work in um, a casino when I was in my 20s and it was it was for 
very wealthy customers, like billionaires and royalty and A-listers. Um, and then they're, you know, some of the richest people in the world. Like you, you wouldn't even know they had money <laughs> by the way that they dressed um, and the way that they spoke. But then if I, if I went somewhere else where it wasn't actually, you know, that level of wealth, but it was people who were trying to look wealthy. It was very different. It was very flash, champagne. And I just found it, you know, I used to observe a lot. I used to get to see a lot of things. And then when I came online, um, after I'd worked in my corporate world, where the way that I got customers was through, like you said, asking really powerful questions. I would have to call um, business leaders, like cold call, but to get the sale, I used to have to ask them what's going on in your business and what's, you know, what's causing you the most pain at the moment? What will happen if that doesn't change? Like if I could wave my magic wand and, you know, change the team for you, what would be the, the critical thing you'd want to change now? Like all of these exploratory, like consultative questions. So I think when I then came online, I continued with that way of selling in this world where my you know my my peers and my competitors it was this shiny here's me uh, pictures maybe like you know like all of the like lifestyle pictures where it looks like here's me on a yacht and here's me by the pool and and I didn't really understand how that was marketing because for me you know marketing was more deep and meaningful and getting people to think and shift their perspectives versus I felt like it was almost like that stage thing again. It was just me with the hair and makeup, me shouting the loudest and me dancing, you know, dancing on TikTok or reels. So I think I've always felt a little bit like I'm a little bit different. I, I mean, sometimes I do, you know, I will do a live or I'll do something where I am on the stage but I've never wanted to be that one who's like shouting, look at me, look at me, like buy from me, I'm the best. I have, it has been a bit more quiet behind the scenes. So I think when I do something, it, it's probably a bit more meaningful than like something I'm constantly doing to impress people and be seen. Oh, so you had it down before you discovered human design. It's like those rich people, they do not have time for bullshit. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, no, I think that's that's definitely a, a good takeaway. And also in, I just think in the fact that I've spent many years of my life with some of the wealthiest, richest people in the world, when I came online and, and I see everyone, you know, fangirling over someone who's famous in a small part of Facebook or Instagram, it's, it just so doesn't impress me. And it's, it's not that I think like, oh, I'm so much, you know, I've had this like amazing life and like, I don't, no one impresses me, but actually they don't. Like, I can't, I can't, I, I respect things like intelligence and if someone is kind and how they treat people like that really means a lot to me, but I don't get impressed because so-and-so has a hundred thousand followers on Instagram. Like that's just, to me, that's just like some numbers on a, on a, a sheet. But I think a lot of people who are in this like marketing world, 
to them it's like the most exciting thing they've ever had like they've never met a real you know billionaire or famous person or even you know been to some of the places that I've been in my life so I think that they've come online and it's like this shiny stuff they get taken away it's almost like going to Hollywood you know they've been taken in by the bright lights and then it's like you becoming this the way I explain it when I'm teaching to my clients I call it Narnia it's like you come into this world and you go through the wardrobe and then you're in Narnia and to them it's it becomes everything in the world. But actually, if you come back out of the wardrobe and you realise that's that's just a wardrobe, it's just one small part of the internet. But I think some people get so taken in by the bright lights, it becomes, and there's a lot of eco as well, like with social media. So I think then people get taken in by the bright lights and I'm just over here, like just very unimpressed by most things. So yeah think that self-projected projectors are less susceptible i i definitely am and i think probably i would agree with you yes because i think we have that inner knowing we just know we and we don't i think a lot of the other designs when they you know they don't have that g they're easily impressed by people and things where I'm totally not, I'm like, I'm just, and actually some of the best relationships I've made in business is when I've been at a big fancy event and everyone has been queuing up to get like 30 seconds with whoever is on the stage. And I'm like, sod that I'm not standing in the queue for 30 minutes. I'm going to go off and, and I've gone off to get some like peace and quiet on my own. So I've gone outside to the hotel next door and hoping that there'll be no one there from the event. And then I've ended up meeting someone else who's doing the same. Um, and I've done things like this a lot of times. And then I've ended up becoming like really good friends with the person who was the keynote speaker or like the person who's event, because I'm, I wasn't, I was doing the opposite of everyone else. I wasn't trying to push my way to the the front. I was actually, I'm, I'm going outside to get some fresh air to go for a walk. And then I've ended up meeting people just on a pure, like human to human basis. Um, so I'm very, um, I think if, if, and this might be like, you can't say everyone, but I think when you have that G, you have that inner confidence in yourself and where you're going, that it doesn't matter who, what someone's label is, their title, their status, their, their income, unless they also have the things that are really meaningful to you, it's nothing. You can have all the money, all the status, but if I think you are not appreciative or just, you know, you don't say please and thank you, I don't care. I'm not, I'm just going to be like, bye. And I think with those with the G undefined, I would think they would maybe have that desire to, yeah, but I need to keep hold of this person because of this and this and this. I could hear a little out like you used your authority already before you were just going out. Your authority told you now I have the desire to get some fresh air. And then you meet the person you yeah. need for the next step in your thriving or uh, fluorescence. Yes. 
I think I did a lot of this in my younger years. And I spoke, you mentioned manifestation. I think that there has been a big part of that when I was younger without even really understanding that it might be connected to human design. And it's not logical. The logical way would be to listen to those famous people. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Because I I remember one um inc incident that I had um and this was when I first discovered like manifestation as in I was learning it you know the book The Secret when that came out and then I'd got all of her books that came afterwards. And there was one of them, I forget if it was the magic or power, it was either the magic or the power book. And I was doing it every day where like something happens that you say you need and then the thing comes and then you have to do your gratitude. I went through a period of every day. It was almost like I could manifest anything. I I, ha I was in an apartment that I've got in a, a different part of the country and something I think that was it. I was painting and the ceilings were so high that I needed a really tall ladder. The short one that I had wasn't tall enough. So I was like, oh, I really need a ladder. Anyway, I went outside. It was nice and sunny just to sit, um, just to get a bit of fresh air. I had a little chair out the back. And then there was um, a guy next door that I just got chatting to. And we was having a really nice conversation like you and I are. And it turned out that he owned the building next door and 15 minutes into our conversation I realized he had a ladder under his arm and I was like oh it's really like I know we've just met but is it would I be able to borrow your ladder for a few hours and he was like take it he said keep it I'm back next week take as long as you need and I had so many things like this happening almost every day I would need something but I wasn't going off like making the moves to it I, but I was just doing what I wanted to do like go for a rest or go for a coffee I and mean, then the thing was appearing but I must say I've recently I've realized that I totally got out of um my practice of doing that so it's something that I want to come back to so I really appreciate you reminding me about that because I think that we are quite powerful with our design Thank you for your appreciation. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for your recognition and inviting me. Oh, here. so nice. <laughs> uh, I studied the law of attraction then from Abraham Hicks because it originated from them. I think yeah. Rhonda Byrne, but anyway, she made it popular. And it's like when f it might be so cool for you because you have desires, motivation. So it's like a game for you. Mm. As you are motivated by your dreams. <laughs> um, for me, it's more neat. The best way it works, like when I just buy and take and do what I need. Okay. So how does that look on a like, day to day? Uh, for example, the wrong way, the, how is it called, the opposite, uh, there's a name, uh, doesn't matter, is fear. So mm. Transference, they call it, don't they? Transference, thank you. Mm. And when I try to plan everything and buy everything beforehand, it always backfires. Okay. 
But when I just trust and say, okay, now I need it, I buy it. Yes. Or now I have the desire to move to Sicily, even when and work a month from there, even yes. when there I don't have, I might say, huge amounts of money to support it. Yeah. Then everything works. And this is neat. It's just I have the need to do it. I have the need to rest. I have the need to to uh, buy a program. Mm. And now I do it. But when I think I might need it, right. then I'm on the wrong track. And okay. it's the, the same when people come to me through, medit through need. So when they say, I need this document because it's with the channel 1333 mm. prodigal it's like we collect all the secrets and when they say i need that document i'm looking for it i can say i have it i give it to them but when they say what else do you have when they get greedy yes then it's wrong for me. So this fear motivation, I need it because I do not have enough. So I fear that I do not have enough. So it's right. became very aware of this dynamics. Yeah. So I suppose there's a lot of like surrender there for you as well. Surrender and trust. Yes. It's a big theme I'm still working on. It's like, okay, I have enough to do it. So I do it. Yes. And the most interesting thing is it always expanded afterwards. Mm. So it money is such a funny topic. It's like when nothing shows up, you need to kind of spend it to things or I need to spend it to things that are right, not things I might need, but this need motivation. Then it flows in again. But if I transfer to fear and yes. hold it on it gets less and <laughs> so interesting this is actually um a, a big part of what i teach with my clients so it's everything is around um sales growth so everything from you know how what is their message and how do they do it like the strategy the tactics but also a big part of it is the energetic piece and what happens in the marketing and so many entrepreneurs don't realize this is when they are coming from a place of, I need clients, I need money and da, 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 And it's like this desperation vibe that energetically comes across in your, and you start to repel people, not even like we're supposed to be here to attract idle clients. You can actually repel people. And this is a big thing that I have to support my clients with when they're maybe like launching something new or they're newer in their business and they still haven't got the strategy now down. So they're in that phase of where we're just testing and we're seeing which things are working and like, you know, figuring out some different things for them. And it's that place that in between of, you know, we haven't tried it long enough to see if it will work. Um, but then there's that empty space in between of can we hold the energy of positivity of, you know, knowing and trust and surrender versus what a lot of people do, you know, they'll just do one post on a thing they want to sell. And if they don't make a sale instantly or no one likes it, they're like, oh, I need to reduce my prices or 
sell something different or just go and like hide away. But actually like part of the, like your own personal power when it comes to marketing is just to be able to keep showing up even when there's no evidence that things are working. Because then when you do that, you first of all, you give it enough time for the strategy to work because nothing's going to work in like three days. But also it's then this really powerful aura and this magnetism and you start to really like draw people in and it's a totally different vibe and you can sense it in people's marketing. I don't know if you as a projector as well, I can, I can sense there can be someone doing a post talking about how they can help you get clients or make sales. And I can look at someone and I can be like, I know you're not even doing that yourself at the moment versus I can look at someone else and it's, you know, I feel really like drawn towards them because I can just feel their power. So it's almost like, this is what I always say. It's, it's not even the words. People want to know like, what are the words that I say? What's the copy? How do I structure it? What should the price be? Like the end, your energy is like essential. So essential. Um, I feel like it has to come from a unique space. There is a word I can't recall this. It has to be honest. So I think I could observe that myself when I share to get acceptance or recognition, mm. then it's like this not self energy. Yeah. But, uh, it took me a long time to figure out what I do. What is it that I do? Yes. And then there is no need for recognition because it's just nice to talk about it. Yes. And share it. Totally. Oh, that's so important for us as projectors and fifth lines as well to, to share because we, that's our message. We want to share versus how many likes did I get? And like, I think when we're hung up on the outcome and the validation, that's when it really can hurt us, especially as projectors, which was a really hard thing for me to get my head around because I came from a very structured corporate sales environment that I'd been in for many years where everything was focused on the outcome. Everything was measured how many, you know, I, I wasn't measured on how many calls I made, but, you know, how many meetings I booked from the calls that I made and the conversion rates and the sales. And also I had my team, so it was their metrics as well. And I am still a, a believer in in measuring things. And I, I still do some of this with my clients now, but it's almost the measuring without getting hung up on the outcome, especially for my projector clients because otherwise we then fall into that that um, pattern of like questioning our self-worth and comparisonitis. Oh, that person did that post and they've had 16 comments and I've not even had a like. But actually it's, it's often the things that don't get the recognition externally where you're having people message you privately. It happened to me yesterday. I had, I did... Um, I did a post actually in a, a group that I'm in um, 
and I talked to them about something that's that's happening at the moment and it was kind of like an opportunity versus you know it was a win-win thing and I was like if you you know I'd, I'd appreciate it if you want to get involved and a couple of them already had and there hadn't been any anything like on the post but I I was already not bothered because two of them had already got involved and I was like, I'm just letting them know out of courtesy versus if I would have done it thinking, oh, well, no one's liked and no one's commented and no one's shown an interest. But then like yesterday, like the, the day after I'd done this post, I'd had two messages, um, one from a complete stranger, well, they'd applied to work with me complete stranger and then someone else inquiring about working with me who actually was in that group and had never even like liked the post and I say this to my clients this happens a lot this it's often the people that don't comment and don't like they're the ones who are going to pay you so don't get hung up on these vanity metrics because you can't pay your bills with likes and comments and I feel like that is work. So the moment I go to Facebook and start to read or track the likes, it's already work. It's yes. hard on the contents. I can feel the strain building. Mm. Totally, totally. Yeah. How do you suggest a projector starts with marketing? Because it is like when I observe others, they started the generator way. They did a lot of posts every day and, and then they had a group and then they switched from generator to projector mode and they became really successful. Yeah, totally. Um, good question. And it's totally not using me. I'm happy to share. That's why I'm here. Um, one thing I have noticed, and this is maybe a bit controversial, but obviously we're in some of the projector communities where some of them do have a lot of entrepreneurs. I, what I have experienced is that a lot of the, what the majority of the projectors are on what I would call the struggle bus. And there have been a few situations where I've had something which has been like a free event or something, um, and, you know, there's been people messaging me and, you know, have seen things. And it's been really interesting observing the interactions I've had with a lot of these projectors. And one thing that I've noticed and that I think is really like the key fundamental that a lot of them are missing is in the recognition, first of all, not just in themselves, but of other projectors. And if you can't like recognize another projector and interact with that other projector in a in a clean and healthy way then you're going to really struggle so I think that was like the first thing that I noticed and even like the any like reluctance to do anything that might mean they have to commit to pay and even if it's like a small amount there was one thing I'm trying to remember what it was now it was that was it it was something um it was a client of mine was doing something that was like $2,000 value, but they was doing it for a special, I think 48 hours, it was free. And then it went up to like a really small token price. And I had some of the um, people from the projector group was messaging me, sent them the link, and then they joined. 
And then um, it was really interesting that the ones that then came too late and then they saw there was like a small fee, it was then like suddenly they didn't want to do it. And I found that fascinating. I always find this fascinating where someone would be on the struggle bus, they're not able to grow their business, but then they have this real resentment around paying for anything from, from an expert, which as a projector, if you if you're resenting that in other people, then it's going to be really hard for you yourself. So I think the first thing for projectors that I, I really see is they, they need to be able to honor themselves and recognize themselves, but also in other projectors. If you, if you are looking at other projectors that are charging for things and think resenting that and, and then knowing they've got something you want, but they're not, you know, you know, if you have got the funds, of course, going to do it, then you're going to really struggle yourself. So that's definitely has been an interesting observation around like behavior and how they interact with each other. But then the tactical piece would be in being that lighthouse, showing up, like getting clear on your messaging would be an essential piece of the puzzle but then once you are clear on the message and who you help and how you help them and the specifics of how that looks being able to show up so people can see you but not in a way where like you said this generator way where it's look at me and follow me and I'm the best and I'm the shiniest but just allowing yourself to be seen so the right people can can find you um, but not hiding away. I think as projectors, even if we're we're not meant to be out there on stage as much as the rest, we still need to put ourselves on the stage. But don't wait for anyone else to put us there. We need to recognize ourselves and say, hey, like you've done, I'm going to start my own podcast or I'm going to start posting on Instagram. I'm going to start doing some videos on TikTok. Like I will say to my clients, does it bring you joy? I can tell you the strategy that works, but if you don't find that joyful and fun, it's not going to work for you. So find something you enjoy and don't have any expectations around likes or comments or follows. And I truly believe as projectors, if they can work on the energetic piece and the messaging, which is more strategic, if, if they keep showing up with that, that like pure projector energy in their like full power and being that magnetizing lighthouse, if the message is, is good, I think that they'll have a lot of success, but they need to get off this projector struggle bus. So it, you already said it before, as we said in our pre-talk this, you already said it without asking me. You said before you need this appreciation, this self-appreciation. You need to share it from a genuine space. Mm. And, yeah. and then everything else comes. And that's yeah. uh, so different to how the Western world works at the moment. It's There's so much trust in it. And you even said before that it doesn't come usually it doesn't come back from the person you give it to. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, like I said to you, to you before, that's a thing for fifth lines that I now know is a, a real fifth line thing that 
the people that I might lead or help, it might not always be reciprocated, but it, it will come from another source and sometimes from a stranger, I've been told. Mm, uh, after Saturn returns, so around 32, 33, environment becomes increasingly important. Have you observed something similar? So in regard to caves? Um, I, <clears throat> I haven't <clears throat> really had the opportunity to really look at that that closely because there's just been so many things going on like in my life it's just been there's been so many things that have been a focus that I haven't been able to say okay like am I really like how can I change my environment or where do I want to be but I I have noticed that when I'm in certain environments I can be like a completely different person so I do think that there is a lot there that I still can benefit from I just feel like that this ties in with marketing and success really big because I'm 32 and mm -hmm. I feel this arch to to go to Sicily to live in a culture where the meeting is more natural to me because yeah. we have a lot of, how is it called, farmhouses. Yes, inns. We have a lot of inns here, so the culture to me they're more in inns than in yeah. cafes. And in Italy, it's another a whole other culture of meeting. Yes. And so it feels like these southern cultures, mm. Italy, Spain, Greek, might suit me more because I was never out and I am kitchen. So I need spaces where there is alchemy, where things are combined. Yeah. And that's why it, it's all right, like it was, but it, it feels like this is an integral part that my, my worldly success lifts off. Mm. Being in the right environment, space. <laughs> yeah, just like listening to you, I'm really, I'm really feeling this for you. I, I feel like you're going to manifest this Sicily experience. Yeah, it's already close. So I wanted to be there in April, so next month. Only thing is on the other job I do, they might need me in Vienna mm -hmm. by training so that I can do the next big job. But it's not strictly necessary. And every time when I make my decisions, dependent on the decisions of another, it led to bitterness. Mm. So like, when are you get it done? <laughs> I am in my shoes and I wanna run. <laughs> Hit the start button. Being <laughs> in that bitter bitter state is just the worst, isn't it? It's really not a good place to be. What early signs of bitterness have you observed? Um, mine is always in relation to other people. And like, I don't know if I can like swear on your show, but I know it's when I start to f um, 
saving. I, I put like, an E in. <laughs> like, selfish MF, you know, like when I start to feel like that, that person is just like taking and like I know when I feel that around a person, like then I'm like, oh, what's going on here? Why am I even concerned about what they're doing I need to go back to me and I need to give more to me so that's always it's it's normally a situation um almost like I don't know if expectations the right word I think where it, it is with me I'm definitely someone I'm very conscious of and maybe it was I've always been brought up this way you know if someone bought us a gift we wrote them a thank you letter if someone did something nice so I would say thank you like I was I was brought up to show my appreciation and then you know the way that I am now if if someone does something for me especially if it's in business or or like a friend I'll take note of that and I remember the good deeds and if I see an opportunity to do one back and then I, I do it for them it's just like um I suppose it's looking at I don't know if, what book was it was it the Love Languages book or um, Stephen Covey? I think it might have been the Stephen Covey book. He talks about the emotional bank account. So you have a jar of marbles and every time that person is there to support you or they do you a favor or they're just like a good friend, then they, you get a marble, a marble goes in their jar. So you'll have a jar of their marbles and then they have a jar with your marbles. And the whole point is that you should both have marble so if someone lets you down or they forget you then it it's not going to ruin the relationship because you can go to the jar and then you have marbles in there and you just might take a few out but the problem comes where you you know they've got all your marbles in a jar and then you their jar is like flipping empty and you're like what's going on so I think with me because I am someone I'm very observant and I'm like oh how can I how can I support that person you know I've got a few people in my life at the moment that are having different challenges they're going from. So I'm very sensitive to that and I'll check in and things when that doesn't happen, when it's not reciprocated, I, I, I really like have struggled with that piece because it makes me feel like, well, they don't care or they're just selfish. And I've had to do a lot of work around how, you know, different designs think and even not just designed, like just with people. Um, and some people I've chosen to release from my life, but others I've had to learn to understand that they are what they call is um, like good enough. They're, they, they're good enough. You don't need to cut them off. They're not nasty. They're not bad, but they're good enough. But they're not necessarily going to be those people that are always you know, as supportive as you would be to them. So yeah, that's definitely for me where it's shown up. How about you? Annoyance. Yeah. So I catch bitterness early when I get annoyed. I always ask me, do I give too much? Do I over give, over share? And it's yeah. always a yes. Mm. And the next stage then is uh, when I start to complain. Yeah. Like to a third party. 
like to someone yes. else. Yeah. yeah, telling yeah. telling a pity story, you know, <laughs> like yeah. why yeah. can't they be more appreciative? And they ask me for help, but when I say them next time, it will cost like this. They they don't show up, and they are all gone. And this happened to me so many times. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think resentment is a good description of the feeling as well. Like you feel resentful. You then resent- it all, already is borderline bitterness when it's resentful, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just this trust and to let people be, it's this acceptance. Respect in essence is total acceptance. My father, for example, he can't accept me. That's his limit at the moment. I have to accept it. But then there are just three good options. I can accept it and stay in the the relationship. I can try to change it, it, which I tried for two years. And I I can leave it. And that's the third thing which I have done now. I can leave the relationship. No regrets. It's just how he is at the moment. Yeah, that's tough. And I've I've had to do that with <clears throat> family members as well. And it it can be really difficult, especially when you know you're like your your heart's in a good place and it it like you can feel like rejection or abandonment of like who you are. So I I totally <clears throat> feel where you're at. But also I think for us with our defined G's when it's the, when it's the other person that I'm thinking like acceptance and I'm trying to remind myself around, you know, what would the Buddha say and what would they, what would he do? And I try and go back to that compassionate space, but then I have that little voice and I'm like, yeah, but I just, I just don't like that FM behavior and I'm not good. You know, like I just don't like that person anymore. So it's this balance of, um, I think someone summed it up really well. This uh, someone that I know, and she said, "I'm a mixture of, um, you know, like spiritual. One minute I can be spiritual, and then I'm the scientist, and then I'm the sweary sailor, and then that can be me. Like one minute I'm sitting there meditating, trying to love all humans and be compassionate, and then it's like, <laughs> I come. The sweary sailor comes out, and I'll just cut people out. So, yeah." It's not easy, is it? I think that we need to accept each other, but then where do you draw the line? Like where this acceptance of, you know, the situation that you might be in with your dad, but then there is acceptance of people who are notoriously, um, you know, happy to like be around you, but not contribute to the relationship. Like there's acceptance and then there's like, you're taking advantage of my acceptance. And I think that's the point where I then start to get bitter. It starts with the acceptance of myself. Mm. Like you said before in the marketing, it's like I have to be aware of my limits. How much am I willing to give? Yeah. And I'm not willing to endure more from him. Yes. There was a lot of bitterness, but I'm in a state now, as you might hear, uh, that I know when there's only one door that is open, when he recognizes that he 
is doing things wrong too. I'm done with always being the one who uh, explodes and then asks for forgiveness, the one who changes, the one who adapts, the one who observes and tries to figure out a way to make it work. It's like you said before, the marvels were all in his char. Yeah. And this is what I, in my opinion, he is a narcissist. So I had a lot of narcissists and narcissistic behavior in my life. Mm. And it also shows up in my gene keys with powerful power games, <laughs> the evolution sphere, which I need to learn. And that's this where, how much am I willing to give? What is my limit? Yeah. And what are the consequences if others overstep it? Totally. And also, what are you getting out of this relationship? How is it adding value to you? Yes. Most people do not like to talk about friendships like a business deal, but in essence, it's just an exchange of needs. Totally. I, I, I came to this. But we are on the same line on that one. <laughs> I came to this uh, realization and this, this is, this conversation is coming after I've been through a period of time in my life where I've lost so many people, many of them through, they're no longer here, so much loss and grief, but also there's been this relentless shedding of people in my life because it was really interesting when I went through that period where actually I could have had some support or people to look after me you know um and then it almost felt like people are very good at turning a blind eye they're there when the, you're on a high and then when you've got things going on and it was quite shocking for you know certain situations what I experienced and I made a couple of really ruthless decisions to to cut a few people out and you know some of these relationships had been for like 20 years But I sat there and I thought to myself, I thought, if I just want someone who I go for an occasional coffee or lunch with, I can go on Facebook now and anyone, I can, like, people to go for coffee or lunch with occasionally are two a penny. To me, a friend isn't someone who you meet occasionally. Like, that can be an acquaintance. Like, a friend is someone, if, like, I'm that, I'm like that ride or die friend. If you call me at two in the morning, I'm like, right, what do you need? Like, no questions. Let's get the job done. Like, I'm that person. And then when I know that I'm like that, because I think if people are in your inner circle, that's what you do. If if they need some money or if they're going through a crisis, like, that's the whole point of a friendship. And then when I realized I had, I had, you know, a couple of people in my life who I was thinking they were like those people, those friends, but actually... All it was was someone who I'd just been going on these like friendship dates with for a long time. And I thought, what, why am I investing my heart into this relationship where it is we're just going for coffee every six months? So, yeah, I just I was quite ruthless and I did a lot of shedding and it felt it felt really good Um Because I just think there's two people, there's people everywhere. I can go to the coffee shop now and just talk to a stranger and have a chat. If I just need people to talk to, 
Um, and very so spiritual too. That's the funny thing. It might be a self-projected theme, but I can talk to anybody. I meet them when I take a walk and then I start to talk to them, deep spiritual stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I meet lovely people when I go out. I met a, a lady, an old lady. Um, it was on New Year's Eve and she was sat on a bench and I could see that the bench was from someone that had died and I said I said and I saw her looking out at the river with this beautiful view where we were and then I said is that you know is do you know the person whose bench it wasn't it was her husband's and you know we ended up having this really long conversation you know about life and death and you know grief and all this stuff and it was you know it was a really like special moment and yeah, I, I I find it really hard to keep people in my inner circle once I know that really if if I'm in need, they're not really there for me. Like I almost get to the point where I'm like, what's the point in having you around? Like if I or or I just keep them as a coffee friend. I used to always say I have like different layers of friends. You have like your inner core who are the ones that really are like family. And then I would have my coffee friends. This is when I was younger in my 20s, my coffee and lunch friends. But my coffee and lunch friends probably had never met my family or my other close friends. But then on the outside of that circle, I had my party friends. And some of my party friends wouldn't even know like where I lived, but I wouldn't go and meet them in the daytime, but we would meet in the evening. Did you used to have that as well? I know a few of my friends have had similar like little circles of different friends. What helped me most was a saying that described friendships. It's like you have friends that are here for a season, a reason, or a lifetime. Yeah. And basically that's what it is for me. But I also changed the way I look at friendships mm. because there was this almost generator-like way of you have to get a call at least every two months from them yeah. and so there were all this superstition i put onto them and which strained everything mm -hmm. uh, friendships and i have observed i'm very fluid fluent my mindset I had a short technical problem. Here comes the end of the recording. Have fun. What's the best way that people can reach you, Jade? Um, best place is I'm, my website is Freedom Zest and I'm also on Instagram and TikTok as Freedom Zest. Um, or if you're Facebook, come and say hello on my personal page jade Gemma, but yeah i'm always happy to connect with fellow projectors or fifth lines um and yeah it'd be interesting to continue the conversations because i think this has been yeah it's been an interesting one and i feel like there's so much more to explore so i'm definitely going to be in touch about the gene keys to have even a Taurus 5-1 self-projected project <laughs> oh my god <laughs> It's so interesting. It's like each angle of my design is just, yeah. Don't, don't, don't tell me what to do. Basically, like I'm very difficult to manage. <laughs> 
And very easy if one lets you be like you want to be. Yes. Oh, very easy going. I'm very relaxed and chilled out when I'm not feeling like people are clipping my wings. Oh my God. That Oh, we were with friendships, so it ties oh, yeah. in perfectly. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's really this. This, and this is a no-go for me. This what I wanted to say earlier is it's like friendship is an investment. Yeah. You you even said it's an investment of the heart yeah. or in the heart. I like that. Yeah, same as marriage. Like a marriage is not going to survive if one person is doing all of the housework and then the other person is expecting shenanigans in the bedroom when they've not been supporting. Like. Servant. <laughs> like people get it when it comes to romantic relationships. Why do they think it's different when it comes to non-romantic relationships? I think that that's a, a bit of a cop out for a lot of people. Um, where it's like, oh, but I'm not, you know, I'm not really like the type of person that does that. I think no, if you if you care about someone, whether it's a child or a friend or family. If, if there's something that you know that someone would like, like looking at their love languages, then you make an effort. Like maybe that's not your favorite thing to do, but you take it in turns. You know, when you have those friends and you'll meet them and they always like to, for instance, go for, I don't know, like Chinese and you don't like Chinese, but you know they love it. So you're like, okay, we'll go for Chinese. But then you love to go and see a show. I'm going to see a show with a friend tomorrow. We're watching Dirty Dancing. So the next time you'll be like, oh, I want to go and see the show. Like that friend who you went to the Chinese with should 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 go to the show because they know you love it. But there will be some people who will be like, boundaries, I don't like those shows, but then they're happy to have people do their favourite things. I think that's for me where I draw the line. I'm like, nope, I can't tolerate that behaviour. I think that's the most important thing to pre catch bitterness early or prevent it. It's like, uh, for example, I met someone in a restaurant two years ago. And he said to me, because I love crystals and he saw it and he said, are you spiritual? I'm looking for guys to talk to. And I said, yes, my number. And we exchanged numbers. He never called. And I was like, okay, <laughs> kind of what is going on, you know? Mm. But anyway, and two years later, it was a few weeks ago, he called. <laughs> and usually I'm suspicious. Rise at five one says, when someone calls me, it's always these questions what do you want? Yeah. <laughs> 5-1. They always need something, you know? <laughs> And I figured out that he was selling insurance and he called every number he had, but I needed 20 minutes to, to figure out because he was like always behind the bush bush. And after what he wrote me a short message and he said, yes, but I want a friendship too, because I was asking him like, and he was asking me for forgiveness even because uh, he said so as I, in the call, I was asking like, yes, but do you call that you want a, 
a friendship uh, not necessarily yeah but what is your elevator pitch i don't have one you know like that all and he said yes but i want to make you uh, curious and then said oh i don't care about that keep your secrets never worked for me when <laughs> someone <laughs> <laughs> I already have enough secrets. Oh, keep yours. It's way way easier for me if you don't tell me. Teasing or where people like say a small little thing, so then that you're asking more. I'm like, I'm really not interested. Like you either tell me or don't tell me. Like stop all this messing around. Yes, and to make it short, uh, I said, okay, best we are in the talk. I already heard it out. I, he wanted me. I have no car to get there, and it takes me. 45 minutes to train to get to him in one direction. So I have an investment of alone one and a half plus an hour of talk. So mm. two and a half hours investment. And he wasn't even ready to meet me halfway mm. with his car. So it would only take him 15 minutes and me half an hour to meet him halfway and so this already is for me like he invests nothing in the relationships but wants me to get to him yeah no he was doing a selfish bucket for me selfish bucket and then And that was so interesting. And after complaint, I said, best we talk two times and then we meet halfway. And then he wrote back, uh, I will do it like you say, you know, like that. He Essentially, he said, you do it all. I just lean back and yeah. chill. And usually I would have pushed and done all the stuff and then I would regret it mm. and now it's just like this neutral thing of like okay bye yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes so uh, what w would you say to your other self-projected projector colleagues at the end would you Do you have anything to, to say? finish off with? Um, no, I would just say, like, just trust that you know. You know the answers. You, you know, you're self-projected. You know the answers. Connect with other projectors as well and with other SPPs. I think that's important for us. We really get each other. It sounds like the essence of our message today, just be. That's the greatest marketing. Yeah. Be and trust. <laughs> it's it's simple but not easy. <laughs> and at some point it becomes easy. Yes. Well, thanks for having me. It's been fun. I'm going to go and get some food now, treat myself. Never miss on out on the things that nourish you. Thank you for being on the show. You're very welcome. I especially like this eternal truth. Real marketing is to share genuine from your heart. Even for us self-projected projectors, share from the chi. Don't worry about revenue, incomes, 
likes, dislikes, and even comments be very boiled down, restrained even. Mm. Gratefulness to your one and a half hours yeah. of your precious time. You're welcome. <laughs> and thanks for having me on your podcast. Can't wait to hear us. And I'll make sure that the team, we will share you and put you on the blog. So, Thank yeah. You. Thank you soon. Thanks a lot.